She has been the face of WRBL News for over three decades and also a very powerful face of faith in our community. We're going behind the smile of my co-anchor, Teresa Whitaker, in just a moment. Stay tuned. There is the word, there is the way, and brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Bill Scoggins. Good evening. Welcome in, everyone. And tonight I am delighted to have my co-anchor, Teresa Whitaker, as my uh, special guest tonight on Faces of Faith. And normally, Teresa, we are sitting side by side on the anchor desk and delivering the news and casually glancing at each other. But, but most all of our attention is focused on our viewers. And tonight I get to look across the table at you and we get to spend an hour talking together. And I can tell you, I've really been excited about having you on my podcast tonight. I have to say that this is a lot scarier. (laughs) (laughs) It's different, that's for sure. It is quite different. We have been anchoring together for 23 years, started together back in 1998, and uh, I walked into this building, and I was trying to remember today, I'm not sure if we had met before I came to work here. No, we didn't. And so so my first opportunity to get to know you was 23 years ago, but... I want to say up front, this is Faces of Faith, and I'm thankful that I have a God-fearing woman of faith sitting beside me in the anchor chair. That has been a huge blessing over these 23 years, and I look forward to 23 more. <laughs> and I can say the same thing about you. It is wonderful to be able to come in and be able to express your faith and Uh, not have someone roll their eyes or (laughs) change the subject. So that's been absolutely uh, rewarding. I can also say that I'm thankful for your prayer support. When you do have a a partner who uh, is clearly strong in their faith when there's issues in life, and, you know, I spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of time together, maybe not so much over the past year because of the pandemic, but uh, normally, under normal circumstances, we spend uh, a great deal of time in each other's lives, and we're able to share prayer requests and have uh, a support prayer uh, among ourselves and our team here. So that's a special part of working here at WRBL to me. Well, I know what prayer can do. I've seen what prayer can do, and I know what prayer has done in my life um, and in the lives of those um, who've asked me to pray with them. Um, it is my pleasure to uh, stand in the gap for someone. Mm -hmm. That's what we're supposed to do um, because we know that um, as Christians, our prayers are answered. We know that if we pray and we ask something in, in, you know, according to God's will, Mm -hmm. that he hears us. And so we know if he hears us, then we know that we've already received that which we've asked. And that is a wonderful feeling that you can walk in victory. You, You already know your prayers have been met. And you can just walk on in victory. I suspect there were a few prayers connected with this book, and I'm going to hold it up so our viewers can see it. Behind the smile, what the camera could not capture. And let's talk about, first of all, the beautiful photograph of you on the cover. Would you like to give photo credit? That photo credit goes to Oz Roberts. We did a photo shoot in his garage. (laughs) (laughs) He did a phenomenal job. (laughs) All I had to do was just call him up and say, hey, you know, I've got this going on. Can you do this for me? He said, hey, yeah, I'll set it up for you. (laughs) And it was like actually being at 
real uh, photographer's studio. He had the, you know, the all. I don't. I can't name all the equipment, but uh-huh. it was there and it was wonderful. So Oz Roberts, thank you so much. And the title, the title comes from. There was a period of my life between 2014 and 2019. People don't know this because we have the kind of job that requires you Mm -hmm. to come in and look the part, no matter what's going on in your Mm -hmm. life. Um, You know, I may be smiling on the outside, but those years I was, and people don't know that I was going through depression. I was broken. Um, I had done something that um, I knew that I should not have done, but and and having done that, and I look at myself and say, you know, you're a woman of faith. You know, you're a you know a woman of God. You know, mm-hmm. how could you have made this decision? And so that left me, um, you know, full of self condemnation. And I was I convinced myself with the help of the enemy mm-hmm. that you know God could not use me. Um, I was just you know worthless. Um, and that was a very dark period of my life. And I remember my friend, um, Latrina Patrick, you know, Latrina. I know Latrina. Yes. <laughs> Latrina, she's in Florida now. She's in Florida. She's in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Latrina yeah. is a part of my tribe. In fact, I let her read this first because she's worked in this industry and I just trust her. I was told by my coach, get someone who does not pull punches, Mm -hmm. someone who is just going to tell you like it is. And Mm -hmm. I said, that's Latrina Patrick. (laughs) But anyway, so I was relaying to her that when I was going through this period that I was, this is my punishment from God for, you know, making that bad choice. And I was going, and this was my punishment. I was going to feel this way, feel broken for the rest of my life. And that was my punishment. And she said, stop that. That is not the God that we serve. You are his daughter. I need you to start reading the word. But what she didn't know was I was reading the word. Let me tell you, I became a student, a scholar of the Old Testament. I was not reading the New Testament (laughs) because remember I said I was condemning myself. Uh God wasn't condemning me. All I had to do was ask him for forgiveness. But no, I had to punish me too. And I was reading, I, can, I don't know how many times I read Second Samuel, the story of David and mm-hmm. Bathsheba. Bathsheba, yeah. I just, you know, and I remember uh, for one of our women's life groups, we had this game. It was trivia. And a lot of the questions came from the Old Testament. I won. <laughs> Not the Old Testament. But you get to the point and you realize that when you, uh, when you see the word wicked, It's not you. We're not talking about you. When you see the word righteous, that's who we're talking about. We're talking about God's people, God's people who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. You are the righteous. You are not the wicked. You have been saved, and you're saved by grace, not by anything that we can do, lest we boast. It's a gift from God. Accept that gift. And so that was a very dark period of my life. And so I um, I, and and I'm not letting you talk. (laughs) You're my guest. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Less of me, more of you. You go right ahead, co anchor. And it was just a very dark period of my life. And you know, the enemy gets in your head, Satan gets in your head, mm-hmm. and he tells you that you're the only person that's going through this. So if I were you, I wouldn't tell anybody. And so it makes you ashamed, mm-hmm. and you don't want to share that with anyone. And one of my dear, dear friends, uh, Cynthia Robinson, she is one half of the publishing company mm-hmm. that uh, published this book. 
she was um, she was in charge of our women's life group. And she wanted, she called me and she says, I need you to be the guest speaker. And so I trust her to the point because I know that everything that she does, she checks with God first. Mm -hmm. So if she's asking me to do it, then God wants me to do this. And so I didn't sweat her about the subject matter because I knew that God was going to give it to her and then she was going to give it to me. The subject matter was a comeback after a setback. I was like, oh, I got this. Well, part of me... Up until the very minute that I took the microphone, I was going to talk about a setback at work because I was still kind of ashamed to go into this personal setback mm-hmm. where I got involved with this man that I should not have gotten involved with. And but I I went I stepped out on faith. I told that story, even though uh, you know the devil was whispering in my ear. Nobody's going to, you know, everybody's going to judge you. No, we have a no judgment zone. You Mm -hmm. know, we're here to help each other. So after I spoke and shared my story, at least four women came up to me afterwards and said, and one was crying. Oh, my God, the same thing happened to me. I'm going through the same thing. Thank you so much. And see, that's how Satan, he doesn't want you Mm -hmm. to help others. He doesn't Mm -hmm. want you to set, to help others people be set free. That's what he does. He, he, you know, he, he, he gets into your head. He makes you doubt God. He makes you doubt whether you can be used and he makes you ashamed of the mm-hmm. things that you've done. When we all know that if we pick up the word of God, he tells us that he, if we go to him and we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So that got lost for a few years for me. You talk like a minister. (laughs) Well, I had been running for years. I first heard the call way back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I was at St. Mary's Road United Methodist Church. Before I heard the call, I had decided that I was going to, ooh, I'm going to go to seminary, and I'm going to be Reverend James Swanson's uh, associate. Your pastor. (laughs) Associate pastor. Yes. And then when I got called, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I was just kidding. No, 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 And so I, I ran because I really was not prepared because I felt like if you're called to preach, then you, that automatically means that you're going to pastor a church. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't understand. And I, everybody that came to me and said, oh, yeah, I see it. I see it in you. Mm-hmm. I, I would avoid those people. I literally would make a U-turn. And, and I feel like I come full circle because one of my pastors, she was a female pastor, every time you turned around, we were doing uh, spiritual, uh, spiritual gift assessments. And I already knew <laughs> what the number one, <laughs> I already knew it was going to be. Even if I tried to manipulate <laughs> the answers, it would come right back to, you know, profit. Or, and so she would just threaten whenever she would open the doors of the church. She would look back at me and say things like, I, I, I'm going to add, you know, <laughs> going to add one of these, uh, you know, meaning that she was going to open the doors to anybody who feels like they've been called into the ministry. But she never, she never did that to me. And she called me out of the blue the other day, out of the blue. And so I was able to tell her that I finally stopped running. And so ah, that was really a weight off of my shoulder. So I'm not the typical preacher, mm-hmm. although I feel I find that when I'm on assignment, I end up preaching a sermon to somebody mm-hmm. every day. It just comes, it just comes naturally because of what I've been through. And so because I was in so much pain, I can see that in other people. And so 
I know I just want people to be set free. I am at that point of my life where it is not my will, but God's will. It doesn't matter what you say about me. I, I, it, I know what God says about me. Mm-hmm. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I pick up the word of God and I see what God says about me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. And when you get to that kind of freedom, when you know that you have, you have been converted, it's when you thirst for the word of God in everything. You know, when you feel God's presence everywhere, no matter what, and when you can look at a person and not be distracted by the outward appearance or the things that are going on on the outside, when you know that what's happening on the outside is a manifestation of the pain and the hurt that's going on the inside, when you, when you can start praying for that person, especially a person who has hurt you or a person that vexes your spirit every time you run into this person, when you start praying for that person, that does two things. It's going to help that person eventually because you have planted a seed and you have gone to God on their behalf. And intercessory prayer is very powerful, but it's also going to change you because you're going to be able to see that person through the eyes of God instead of all the distraction and and everything else that's going on. You just, you have to be able to say, I don't care what it looks like. I know that God is working today. I don't care what it looks like. And we've got to get to that point. It doesn't matter what it looks like because sometimes when you pray, it may get worse, you know, over time, but ultimately God is going to get the glory. That is all that matters that God gets the glory. One man plants another waters, but God gets the increase. Did he speak to you about writing this book? He did. Um, we, in, 20, in early 2020, our church did a vision board. And so people were putting things like writing books <laughs> on their vision board. I was like, book, write the book. I have time for the write. I don't have time to write a book. And two people had spoken that in my life. I was like, write the book. And so I, I didn't put that on my vision board. And so I remember one day, um, my friend, Cynthia, we were talking on the phone, and I asked her, I said, what are my strengths and weaknesses? Because she knows me very well. Mm-hmm. And she, she told me what my strengths were. And I said, well, what's my weakness? Excuse me. She said, your biggest weakness is you won't get off your behind and write that book that God <laughs> has placed in you. So you need to get off this phone, go get that journal that I gave you, and start writing your book, ma'am. And wow, right there it was confirmation. Two people had already said that to me, and I dismissed it. But as soon as she said it, I saw the title, I got the journal, and I started writing. It's about 1 o'clock on a, set, on a Sunday afternoon. I didn't stop writing until 1 in the morning. You know, I took a little break to walk Noah, but about 1 in the morning I said, God, please let me go to bed. I promise I'll pick this back up tomorrow, but just let me go to bed. But I'm telling you, once you start writing, you just pour it out. And I knew that there was a book. I knew that I had a story to tell, especially about all the brokenness and making the bad choices and then coming back from that. But when I wrote that part, it wasn't long enough. (laughs) My editor said, I need you to write some more pages. And so I started thinking about all of the questions that people have asked me over the years. You know, what were the impactful stories? How did you get your start? Um, what about your childhood? And your and a lot and your what goes on in your um, adult life? You know, leads back to your childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in a family um, where army brat, army brat, mm-hmm. wonderful uh, for children in terms of having things to do. But when you 
when you grow up in a family where we don't talk about things, there's now they don't say I love you or any of that. You know, you grow up and you re realize that something is missing in your life. With me, I you know had low self esteem. I was insecure all this time. I'm working here until a few years ago. Low self esteem, insecure, and looking for attention instead of respect and love. You know, because I really didn't understand love. I had a fear of intimacy because I wasn't used to that. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I was used to. Mm -hmm. But with this particular gentleman that I got involved with, all those things that I felt that I could never feel, I felt with him. And I'm, you know, and I was like, okay, this is not fair. <laughs> okay. All these things that I'm wanting to feel, I'm feeling them with the wrong person, you know. And so once you unring that bell, <laughs> you can't unring the bell, mm -hmm. so to speak. So, I know what it what it feels like to love someone, to want intimacy, and so I'm ready for the right person. So, if you had to put in um, cliff note version of what this book, the, the goal, the mission that you want this book to accomplish, what would it be? It would be um, that God has a plan for your life. And if you look back over your life, you can clearly connect the dots of how God has been working, mm -hmm. and he wants to get the glory. God places us in positions so that he can get the glory. Mm -hmm. If he has his people in key positions to lead other people to Christ, sometimes it doesn't even have to be with Scripture. It's with your lifestyle, your light. Let that light so mm -hmm. shine because we are created in the image and likeness of God, and it is God's desire that no man perishes, that everyone's given the opportunity, you know, for repentance. And so if we're created in the image and likeness of God, then we should feel that way. We shouldn't want anyone to perish. So whoever that person is, you know, we don't have a heaven or hell to put people in. It is our job to love people and, you know, just show them the light, just show them a different way. And that, you know, let God do the drawing. But basically, I just wanted people to understand that you can bounce back from depression, that you can overcome low self-esteem, you can overcome insecurity, and, you know, you don't have to condemn yourself for stupid mistakes. God knows exactly what you're going to do because he knows you intimately. He knows you. He knew us before we were e even in our mother's mm -hmm. wombs. He knows the number of hairs that are on our heads. He knows us. He knows exactly what we're going to do. So if he knew I was going to do that, then why am I beating myself up? You, you, you know, you ask God to forgive you. He casts into the sea of unforgetfulness and you, and you move on. You can't, you, you know, I, I just, I hate to see people that are, steeped in regret and not being able to move past a bad decision break free you gotta break free let it go the past is the past and that's why i wrote it because i wanted people to understand they don't have to stay mm -hmm. where they are you clearly have a strong faith foundation take me back to your childhood one thing that's mentioned in the book is how important Sunday school oh. was in, in helping to establish this baseline of faith. Talk mm -hmm. to me about those years. That was wonderful. Uh, growing up an army brat, we would, our mothers would put us on the shuttle bus. We would go to Sunday school and then we would go to chapel. And then in the evening, the van came around and we went to youth ministry. So 
we were very, and I, and I think it was then that I truly understood what being a Christian meant with, because we, have, we had powerful youth ministers. But Sunday school, it just it gave you that, that foundation, you know, between, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And I remember the biggest lesson that I learned in Sunday school was the fruit of the Spirit because our Sunday school teacher wrote it. She wrote it out as a song. It was to a peanut song. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are what we need for abundant life. So I will never forget that song, and so I know the fruit She of does the this spirit. all the time doing commercials, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you should hear. She's got a great voice. <laughs> I, oh, that was, not, that was not my best. I'm actually a soprano, but I wasn't going to sing that in soprano. <laughs> So, so Sunday school was, was really something that you, maybe in this day and age, it seems... It's m- missing. Yeah. We, at one of my churches, we had Sunday school for adults. I just totally believe in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. I think all kids should, should have Sunday school. Um, and I was going to say that, uh, that I still have my Bible from my Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. He gave it to us, I think it was in 1973. It's called The Way. And I, that's, I still have that. That Bible is on my coffee table. I still have it. I still read it. I still, and it, he, he, he signed it to all of us. His name was Bill Mayfield. I'll never forget him. I'm telling you, it's just, it was very impactful for me to, to, you know, to set that foundation to, you know, this is, but we just don't do that anymore. We've come through generations of parents who said, I, I'm not going to force my children to go to church. I want them to make, well, you know what? That's coming home the roost. Mm-hmm. I, I was taught using flannel boards in Sunday school, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, at the knees of, of Doris Dyer and, and um, Etta Dyer and uh, um, Myra Dyer. I can, I can see their faces. They're all gone home to be with the Lord mm-hmm. now. But one of the tools that they use to help us understand and visualize the stories of the Bible were using flannel boards. <laughs> and a lot of folks out there don't even know what that is. I have to say, I don't know what that is <laughs> uh, Google it. Okay, I will. I will. Flannel boards. Got that. Okay. okay. Got to Google that. Let, let's, um, let's weave your faith walk in with how you came to be on television. You, you, you know, that's a story in and of itself, and there's a lot of chapters to it. Mm-hmm. But, but lay, a, lay that part out for us as to how you, you, you went from radio into television, and you've been here for 34 years. Well, let me do it as Sophia would say. Picture this. <laughs> <laughs> I was about 12 or 13 years old and living in Fort Gordon, Next to our building was a basketball court. All day I played basketball, but at 6 o'clock I was in the house watching the news. It was uh, I don't, WJBF in yeah. Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was Lou Green. He was the anchor. Okay. And I watched, but I never wanted to be an anchor 
I wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to be the two-man crew, you know, riding around yeah, in get, the news getting car the, getting and the story. being live on the scene. Yeah. You know, that's what I wanted to do. But God had other plans for me. I never asked for a single anchor job, ever. When I, when I got the job here, it was in production because they didn't have any openings in news. But as soon as they promised me that if I worked full-time in production, as soon as there was an opening in news, I'd just make the walk down the hall. And I did six months later, never looked back. But I had been in, I had been in news for less than a year, and our morning anchor leaves, and the news director comes to me and says, I, I need you to do um, the morning cut-ins. I was like, I don't want to anchor. And he goes, well, you're going to do it. Okay, fine. So I had to do that. And so after doing that for a while, we decided that we were going to start a a weekend newscast. And he comes back to me. And I'm thinking, if I don't want to do the mornings, I sure don't want to do weekends. But I had to do that. And I did that for two and a half years. And then comes the big one. Now, you started here when? I started here in 1987. Okay. In production with Peggy Taylor. She went to sales. I went to news. And she's still here. We both just celebrated our 34th, mm-hmm. 34th, yep. yeah, 34th anniversary. But um, they came to me, and this the general manager called me into his office for this one. This, you know, he said, I, we want you to, to anchor at 6 and 11, Monday through Friday. I was like, oh, no, absolutely not. I am not ready for that. And remember I said that I, was, I had low self-esteem and I was insecure. I just was not ready for that at all. But I never wanted to anchor. I wanted to be in the field. But, you know, it's just like God. You know, he does exceedingly, abundantly, above above all we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. I didn't know a whole lot about that power, but I know that I asked to be a reporter, but yet God wanted me on the anchor desk. And for, you know, his people to have the influence and the exposure to let my light so shine so that others will see my good works and glorify my father, mm-hmm. which is in heaven. And so that's why he that's why he has me on the anchor desk, because it was not my plan. My plan was to be a reporter. Well, and you started out in radio because you didn't want to be on the air <laughs> in, in at West Georgia, right? Yes. Because I you know that was I was afraid. I was afraid that this is what I came here to do. What if I fail? So I'm gonna go running off to do radio. And so it wasn't until like the last minute I said, okay, you, you came this far. Mm-hmm. You've got to try television. And the second that I did, I was like, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is it. I'm home. This is it. So I truly, and it was because I was, I had three stories, three very good stories on my VHS tape. I'm sure that listeners don't know what VHS is. <laughs> but when I came in for my interview with the general manager for the production assistance job, I, I took, I brought my tape with me. It was like I felt compelled to bring it. From college. From college. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what's the tape? And I said, oh, some stories I did um, in college. He goes, well, let's pop it in. And so it was at that point that he said, I really wish that I had a reporter's opening for you, but I, I promise you, you'll be the you'll be you'll get the job as soon as we have an opening. And so, um, I was able to do that. But you know, thank God, I finally said, okay, I'll do I'll do television practicum. We'll do. We'll go out and we'll learn to shoot stories and we'll learn to write stories and and we'll do that. And so, thank God that I did. How much of an impact were your parents, your grandparents, on? 
you becoming the person that you are today? My grandmother, the one that lived in Harris County, I mentioned the farm that we lived on. Mm -hmm. She was the one that we lived near my father's church and her church. She would, we would walk to church. They were in church all day, all night, I mean, every day. And so she was the one that if we were laughing at someone, she would stop that. You don't laugh at people. You know, laughing is catchy. You know, while you're laughing and making fun of this person, it could turn around and happen to you. So she mm -hmm. taught us the right and the wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that was very impactful for me. I, you know, when I drive down River Road, where those two um, big oak trees sat, I could, someone else owns the land now, and they've torn down my grandmother's house that had the swings on the front porch. It's gone now, but I can just see it where her house used to be. You start out uh, with acknowledgments in the book saying, first and foremost, I must acknowledge the Most High God for the divine connections in my life that stirred up the gifts he placed inside me. Thank you, great Jehovah, for birthing this book and the healing that accompanied it. As this book came together, I could see you at work in my life, Abba Father, from childhood to adulthood. Thank you for revealing why you created me. That's a powerful start. <laughs> Do you feel like that um, your TV journey is, is going to take you further into uh, a ministry role? And More that has maybe even helped prepare you for that? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because you look at look at the gifts that God has given me that I've used here. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I write every day. Mm -hmm. Now I'm able to tell people about Jesus in a book. I talk every night. Mm -hmm. I can use my mouth to tell people about, about Jesus. Jesus. Yep. And so wherever he is going to take me, I'm ready to go. I'm not running anymore. Your pastors uh, that you mentioned in the book, um, Vince Allen, Wayne Baker, Reverend Swanson, um, how did they help to fashion you into the woman in God that you are today? <sighs> you know Reverend Swanson, oh, yeah. Bishop Swanson now. He was such, is such a prolific teacher that he just made me just thirst for the word of God. If there was a Bible study we were having, I was there. We'd go to church on Sunday, and we were back on Sunday evening for Disciple Bibleship 1, Disciple Bibleship 2, when that one, you know, when that one ended, 3 started. And so, and, and we had a noon Bible study, and it was just, I just loved it, loved it. <laughs> and so that just made me fall in love with learning what's in the Bible, what, what does God say? You know, how has he helped these people in the Bible and how does that, and let's do some life application. Okay, this happened, you know, years and centuries ago, but what about life application? How does that help me today? And there are many lessons. You know, people say that the Old Testament is so obsolete, but you can take some of the stories from there mm -hmm. and apply it to what's going on Absolutely. in your life now. And so he was good at that. And then um, Pastor Baker, same way, he's an awesome teacher. And he just really makes you just dig deeper into the word. And you just never forget it. 
And so Pastor Vince took me to the next level because I, you know, everybody needs to know why they're here, why they are created, mm -hmm. what is your purpose. And he is very skilled at helping to pull that out of you. That is his gift, pulling it out of you and taking you to the next level. And so I'm very grateful for all three of them for the roles that they've played in my life in this journey. Well, it sounded like, too, that, that Vince, in terms of you becoming an author, uh, did maybe some arm twisting there, too. Yeah, he decided, uh, 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 Minister Brian Fitzpatrick is a prolific, talented coach. He can just drive you. And so he was launching a new coaching uh, component. And so he was our guest on one of our, uh, one of our lives, you know, when we were all virtual. And so Pastor Vince said, okay, the person who can tell me uh, when, where Minister Brian went to high school wins, a co you know, a, a coaching package from Brian Fitzpatrick. Well, because I know Brian, I knew. <laughs> so I quickly put in Jordan High School, and I won. <laughs> so I got to do all of these wonderful coaching sessions with Minister with Minister uh, Fitzpatrick. And so, and in and, and talking, and so he, you know, we talked about the book. He helped me to, to do that. And then I also launched a website where I coach people in public speaking. And so... Those two things he really helped me with, but it had it not been for Pastor Vince wanting to bless somebody else, mm -hmm. wanting to help somebody else bring, you know, what's what's inside their womb and bring it out, then I probably would not have done this. And let me tell you, one of my girlfriends, um, I did an, an acknowledgement to her, uh, Lucinda, mm -hmm. in the book. She, when I... Um, when I won that, she immediately, she told me she immediately started praying because she knew that I was going to try to pass it off to somebody else. And she was <laughs> like, Father God, please don't let her pass this off onto somebody else. Please let her do this coaching. And so I stuck with it. I stuck with it. And I'm glad that I did. Yeah, to Minister Lucinda Smith, my twin. You were right there <laughs> encouraging and supporting me all the way. Thank you for your friendship and your prayers. You haven't known me for very long, but you instinctively knew what to pray for in this journey of mine, which started with the gift of my coaching sessions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And when I mentioned the divine connections in my life, when I was going through that period of brokenness, um, I finally prayed for peace, finally prayed for peace, and, and God gave it to me. I also went to counseling, but I knew um, Cynthia Robinson, who was leading up the women's life group at the Bridge Church, she had asked me to sit on a panel for their women's uh, conference in 2018. And I was broken then, but I did it anyway. And I, so I was connected to her through that. So when I was going through this period and I felt like, okay, I'm going to go to counseling. I've asked for peace, but there's got to be more than I can, that I can do to just get me over the hump, mm -hmm. to say that I, I to, to get healed and not look back. And I remembered, I said, the Bridge Church, this women's life group, what was her name? What was her name? And I remembered her name. We were friends on Facebook. So I contacted her and I said, do you all do anything on the regular? She goes, yes, every second Saturday. So at noon. So I went and the way that she, these are women who have been through stuff that, but you would never know because they're so positive and they're so free 
and it was such a non-judgment zone. She would we would begin with the com- with a you know with a with a confirmation affirmation you know who we are in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am victorious. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am free. I am, I mean, just, it was amazing. And then she passed around a mirror for you to look in the mirror and you have to say something that you love about what you're singing. You can't say, oh, well, you know, I'm blessed. No, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, I don't hear the ones. Yeah, I want to hear specific because some women have been beaten down for so long, they can't look at, they find it hard to look at themselves in the mirror because people have told them that they're ugly. People have told them that their skin is too dark. People have told them that their nose is too big, their lips are too big, and they could not look. And she goes, no, 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 no. Look, look at yourself. And they say, oh, my God, I never noticed. My, I, I love my eyes. And then you pass it to the next person. Mm-hmm. And that that connecting with that group and those women, that really, 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 really helped me. And I remember um, for the next conference, I was actually a member of the church this time. So the next conference, we had the head of uh, counseling for T.D. Jakes's church. And her name is Latasha Stewart. Oh, gosh. Uh, (laughs) Love this woman. I think it's Natasha, Natasha Stewart. Oh, we, I sat on the panel with her and a, and a few other women, and she was, everything she said was drop the mic because she's a counselor and, you know, and she sat, and after, after she finished, she, she said to me, she whispered to me, she held my hands and she said, I want you to get healed. And I thought at that point that I was healed, but I guess I wasn't. And this helped me to do that. Because Latrina told me when she read it, she said, because I know you, mm-hmm. I can read this and I see areas where you just tiptoed around, but I want you to go back and it's going to hurt, but I want you to go back and you dig deep and you get it out. And once you get it out there, you're going to be healed. And I did that because I didn't have the pepper chapter in here in the first draft. I just couldn't go there, but I did. All right, you've you've opened the door. <laughs> you got to tell people who Pepper is. Well, Pepper was my first pet. <laughs> he was a palm chi, a Pomeranian and Chihuahua mix, and he was the sweetest dog ever. But he passed of liver cancer, uh, li- not liver cancer, but liver failure. And I, that was the uh, that was it was difficult. It was like losing a child. Mm. And I put it in the book because during that time, a lot of my friends were losing their dogs. And they were saying things like, I'll never do this again. And I said that too. I'll n- mm-hmm. Just too much. I will never do that again. I remember you saying and that. And I wanted people to understand that I got Noah. I got Noah because he didn't have a home. Your current dog. My current dog. He didn't have a home. I could not let this dog live out there in the wild cute as he can be you know no oh, yeah. he's adorable I, I could not let this dog live on the street he was afraid of people i didn't know what he had been through but i want people to understand that your new dog doesn't replace your old dog 
you just have that love to give. Mm-hmm. I had so much love to give after everything I had been through. I mean, I, I'm ready to love. So, you know, I, I have a little dog that I just lavish love onto him, and he is as loving as mm-hmm. he can be. And I wanted people to know, yes, you can get another dog. You can get another one. doesn't replace yours. Mm-hmm. He's, just a, he's just another dog that needs your love. And there's a, there's a, uh, my friend Lucinda gave me um, this framed um, last will and testament of a dog. Mm-hmm. And she gave it to me in church. And I, when I got to the line that said, and don't let me hear you say that you'll never get another dog, that it's just too hard. Yeah, I got oh, it right I fled from the room. <laughs> Before humans die, they write their last will and testament, give their home and all they have to those they leave behind. If with my paws I could do the same, this is what I would ask. To a poor and lonely stray, I'd give my happy home. My bowl and cozy bed, soft pillow and all my toys, the laps, which I loved so much, the hand that stroked my fur and the sweet voice that spoke my name. I'd will to the sad, scared shelter dog the place I had in my human's loving heart of which there seemed to be no bounds. So when I die, please do not say... Where you were, I will never have a pet again, for the loss and pain is more than I can stand. Instead, go find an unloved dog, one whose life has held no joy or hope, and give my place to him. This is the only thing I can give, the love I left behind. Author unknown. That is just absolutely beautiful. Another place, and uh, one thing that I like, I, I just went through the book and, and highlighted uh, certain lines. Um, and one of them says, God had shown me favor when I didn't even know what favor was. I didn't, but I know now. (laughs) How has he shown you favor? In this business with me not having to ask for an anchor position, um, when I go, when I, 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 I live most of my life not feeling loved, or feeling valued, but I know that I'm loved and I know that I'm valued because he has placed some incredibly wonderful and loving, really loving people in my life. People that call you up and say, I just want you to know that you are valued. I mean, that's favor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and people that call you up and say, and I'll say, oh, I'm going through this. They don't say, well, I'll I'll pray for you. No, let's pray right now on the phone. And just, I can just feel his favor everywhere. And I'm so glad because I did not know what favor was back then. So I really didn't. But, you know, I like to say I have the favor of Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to the Old Testament. Going back to the, I told you, the Old Testament is full of some jewels. Y'all better read it. (laughs) It was God who put me on the anchor desk. I believe it was God who planted that dream inside me as a child of being a reporter. Where I would have been satisfied as a reporter, God did exceedingly abundantly above all I could have asked or thought. I mean, who would have thought that I would be on an anchor desk covering a visit from you know the president, um, all the things that I have covered, um, you know, uh, just me, this country girl from Harris County, me, 
<laughs> I, me, I get to walk up to Bill Clinton and shake his hand. Tell that story. That was a great portion of the book about your introduction to him when he was campaigning for president. Yeah, he was campaigning for president. We were at what was the Sheraton Hotel then, and they said, okay, media, you're going to be back here on the risers, and that's where we want you to stay mm -hmm. because he doesn't have time to talk. There will be no questions. You just shoot it. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's going to mm. happen. <laughs> and so he's walking around talking to people. So I walked right up to him. I said, hi, Governor Clinton. I'm Teresa Whitaker with WRBL. Do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? He said, go right ahead. <laughs> and I couldn't find my photographer, and I just was not going to move from that position. I said, oh, there he is. And so I call him over, and we get our interview. And then when I did that, all the other members of the media come running over. Uh, don't tell me I can't interview. I mean, he's walking around. <laughs> of course I'm going to talk to him. So that, that was, you know, but me, little old me, that was favor. Yeah. That was favor. When I prayed for peace, it unlocked the door to my healing journey. I pray for stupid stuff regarding that situation. Like God, drop him off a mountain. I don't care which one. <laughs> Zing him for me. <laughs> Zap him. You know, just, you know what I mean? You pray for just stupid stuff. But when I prayed for peace, because I was just sick and tired of crying all the time. Just, you know what? I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen, God. But I just want to be, I want to be at peace with it. I just want peace. And that's what I should have been praying for all along. But I prayed for that in the last doggone minute. But you know what? Everything happens on time. So. I was glad that, so I learned how to pray for peace, and I, and to this day, I won't let people disturb my peace. You're not going to disturb my peace. It, you will not disturb my peace. I fought hard for this peace, and I'm going to hold on to it. Jesus left us with peace. He said, peace I give to you. I'm claiming it, and you're not going to disturb my peace. Don't come disturbing my peace with some stuff that somebody has said about me. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Do not come to me with negativity. Come to me with positive. I don't want to hear it. Do not disturb my peace. He's I am pathologically protective of my peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Amen. My status changed from broken to healed, from religion to relationship. Yes. Until you embrace relationship... God wants to have a relate. He loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. But we feel that we feel a, a, what we're separated from him because of sin and wanting to do what we want to do, wanting to do it my way. But he has given us a bridge to cross over into a relationship. And that bridge is Jesus Christ. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a child of God. And so you're in a relationship. You have a father-daughter, father-son relationship with the father. I mean, it, it is amazing that I can just talk to him whenever I want and that we have a relationship now that is not about religion. Keeping uh, rules. Uh, yes, yes. This is what people don't understand. The Israelites couldn't keep rules, okay? You just, you are human. He created us as human beings, 
We, you know, <laughs> we're not going to be perfect. You cannot work your way into heaven. You would have to be perfect in order to do that. One of the hardest concepts was for me to accept grace because I lived my life with my arms folded. Oh, well, that's wrong. That's a sin. There. You know what I mean? Looking down my mm-hmm. nose at people like, oh, how could she do that? But when you do that, then you see, okay, you're I'm not human. as, right, I'm human. And, mm-hmm. oh, my God, how freeing it is. You are saved by grace. Not, it's not something that, that you did, but it's a gift from God so that we don't boast about it. Mm-hmm. It's grace, baby. Now, does grace mean that we keep sinning? No, it does not. And does, does, does grace mean that we rejoice in iniquity? No, we do not. I can love you, but I don't have to agree with everything that you do. You know, I'm going to correct you in love because I get that we're human. I get that. I get that we make mistakes. I get, I don't like, I don't even like to call them mistakes. A mistake is using the wrong fork for your salad at lunch. That's a mistake. These are bad decisions, bad choices. Let's, let's say what it is. It's a bad decision. Mm -hmm. It's a bad choice. And so, you know, we get so bogged down in checking off the box. Well, today I didn't lie. <laughs> you know, it didn't murder anybody. <laughs> I'm good. I'm a good person. You know what I mean? We just get bogged down in these, these rules and these laws. The Israelites couldn't do it. And they had front row VIP seating to miracles. Manna from heaven. And thank every you. Day. Okay. Parting of the Red Sea, uh, the Passover, the blood protecting. It. They saw all Shoes this. Shoes didn't wear they out. They witnessed all of this, but yet. And my, you know, one of my favorite stories is, you know, and, and, in, in my brokenness, when I, when I was feeling that I could not be used, I think about Aaron. Aaron, um, God, Moses is on Mount Sinai talking to God, and God is telling him about the plans for Aaron, how he wants his garments to be, he's going to be sanctified, he's going to be ordained, you know, Aaron. Meanwhile, Aaron is down there, and he didn't even think about it. They were like, we don't know where this man Moses went. We don't, you know, you just brought us out here in this wilderness. You know, we just need you to make us, you know, we need somebody else to worship. And so Aaron, without even thinking, says, well, give me your, give me all your gold. And then, you know, he fashions, the Bible says he makes it, you know. Yeah. He, he, you know. Golden calf. He, a golden calf, and they're down there worshiping. And God's like, wait, you need to get on back down here. But Aaron, (laughs) they're up there talking about, you know, him being uh, sanctified and ordained as a priest and he's down there didn't even think about it and then he lies about uh-huh. it he lies about well I, I threw it in there and it just, just <laughs> made this no it didn't you made it yourself so you know but yet he was still ordained he was still ordained so God knows when we're going to make bad decisions he knows he knows We can't boast about having Christian morals and ignore the principle of love. If this country is going to heal, we as individuals have to get to know God. There must be a personal relationship. We must understand that there is no God for white people and a God for people of color. There is one God, and the very essence of him is love. Absolutely love. He is no respecter of persons. He's not saying, okay, my white people over here. You know. No. 
why can't we get that right? Why can't we get that right? All we have to do is love, just love. It's not about this political party or that political party. Just love each other. You can agree. We've always disagreed, but it's never been to the point where if I, I disagree with you, I hate you. I, I don't hate anybody. I'm commanded to love. I have to see something in you, you know, because hurt people hurt people. That's what they do. So I have to see that in you. And I can't hate you because of the color of your skin, even if someone, I mean, I've been hurt by people of the guy in the book wasn't white. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to hate all black men, you know, but we, we've got to, we can't, we can't say that we are the party for Christian morals and values. Well, love is one of the, the principles of Christianity. You know, Jesus loved when he healed. You know, he had compassion for people. Where's our compassion? For people who don't look like us. We're, we're human beings. We don't value life anymore. And that, that, that's, that pains leaves God's me. Heart. Yes, it pains God's heart, and it, and, and it should pain our hearts. Yeah. If we say that if we, realize, if we embrace the fact that we are created in his image, it ought to pain our heart too. Mm-hmm. What did writing this book do for you? <sighs> it just, it, unlo- it closed a dark, dark period for me and just unlocked light and freedom. I'm free. Absolute freedom. That's what it did. I buried some stuff. It's gone. And now I just look forward to what's to come. We've talked about this book for the last 55 minutes, almost an hour, Behind the Smile, What the Camera Could Not Capture. If folks want to get the book, how do they go about it? They can go to Amazon.com <laughs> and order it. And I have several copies in my car. You can um, email me at twhitaker at wrbl.com. I can meet you somewhere. The books with taxes, I'm not messing with the uh, IRS, $16.20 with tax. So you've I had have, book signings, too. I've had two book signings. I need to have another one. <laughs> But yes, you can go to Amazon.com and get it there. Thank you for being willing to open your heart. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) And And producer Dylan. (laughs) Listen, this wouldn't be happening without this gentleman over here. You know how technology minded we are or lack thereof. Dylan Hansen, thank you for being uh, such an incredible director for our podcast. And uh, as we wrap this session that up was again, an hour? we have been going for almost an hour, Teresa. Did I talk too much? Not at all. But again, thank you. And I will see you on the set tonight, sitting beside you. And unfortunately, we won't be able to talk like we have the last hour. <laughs> but I've enjoyed it, and I think people would really enjoy if you if you do want to get a glimpse into what's behind the smile and what's behind the camera you're going to find it in this book i finished reading it today 
and uh, I have with my yellow marker uh, highlighted things that spoke to me. Like in Sunday school, children discover who God says they are, not who the world says they are. So there is our, there are great nuggets of truth scattered all the way through this. So it would be my recommendation to you to support my co-anchor and go out and buy her book and, and learn more about the person that's sitting on that anchor desk that you watch every night. And thank God, because without him, none of this would be possible. I am not responsible for anything. It's all him. Thank you, God. I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. It's you, Lord, not me. And all I can say to that is amen. We want to thank you, Teresa, and thank you for watching and listening tonight on this podcast, Faces of Faith. I'll remind you, as I do at this point of the session every time, whatever you're going through, always remember, keep the faith. Good night.